Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's Kelly here. Long time no talk to. Um, James is supposed to be joining me here any minute, uh, but typical of James, you know, better late than never. <laughs> anyway, it is what it is, but uh, I'll just go ahead and start things off and he'll call in when he calls in. So anyway, um, you know, this, this is going to be kind of a lighthearted show. It's been a while since I've done this. Um, I was kind of shocked. About a month or so ago, I had some folks call me. They were an over-the-road trucking uh, family. They, the husband and wife, they drove together, and they shared driving responsibilities, and they did big, big rig across the country, right? So anyway, um, he was talking about how they liked the shows and stuff, and I just thought, okay, that's great. You know, glad to hear it because it's been at least eight years since I've done a show. And so um, I just asked how he was able to get a hold of him, you know, how the podcast and whatnot, and uh, he said, well, um, he was, they, they were on, they were on the internet on, on Apple. I'm like, what? They're on Apple iPod. So I thought, well, what the heck? So I looked and sure enough, Apple snatched all those old, I'm glad they did because, you know, um, James is pecking around in the background. Um, they, uh, they said that they had it. So what's, what's going on? They were able to salvage all that stuff from blog talk radio and blog talk radio stuff, but Apple's got all the episodes apparently. So. They're running those out there in uh, more power to them. I mean, it's, it's kind of great, but, you know, because I interviewed a lot of people that are no longer with us, you know, and whatever. But anyway, um, James, what's going on? All the old man yep. wanted out to the bathroom, so. The old man okay, wanted out to go to the bathroom. Actually, I called in to see if I could get a couple of pepperoni pizzas delivered. <laughs> uh, you do that? Or... No, no, not not tonight. That's only on Thursday night. Oh. So, anyway, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna get my, my bad, my bad. That's what the kids say today. No. Okay. All right. Can you give me a few seconds here for I? I'm gonna get some stuff out of here. Okay. So, um. Anyway, I got to thinking about that. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And Sarah's been kind of ragging me about doing the show again, and I really didn't want to do it. Because last time it was just seemed like there was always something going on. It takes a lot more prep to do this than most people realize. And you always know, trying to line up guests and whatever, and nobody's ever happy. And you know, so um, we went to uh, Silver Dollar City back, you know, and it, at the end of August, and I sat there in the 110 degree weather, and I watched all these people staring at the guys working on a lathe, for just making rolling pins. All right, and these guys were sitting there staring like they'd never seen anything like that before. It was like science new science. It was crazy. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. It's, it's a rolling pin, right? And then all of them ran up there to get a rolling pin. So I said, why don't we take that show on the road and do that and do stuff like we're with kids and stuff, like schools and churches and events like that where there's going to be a lot of kids and try to get some new blood in the sport. Because right now, it's kind of a dying sport. If you look at the average age of the duck hunter out there, it's kind of, you know, um, I'm 117 and James is, how old are you, James? 120. Okay. So I guess I'm still pup. 63, to 63 to be honest. I'll be honest the rest of the night. Okay. Now you're setting precedence here. This is wrong. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that later. Anyway, um, so I thought that would be a great idea. Let's get a little enclosed trailer, you know, get a little inexpensive lathe or, or buy something different and put it in there and just take all that stuff on the road and do demos of how do you turn calls and build calls. and You know, that, that was the idea. The genesis of that idea was actually – Several years ago, when Sherry and the kids and I went there, 
And I saw the same thing. I had the same idea back then. You know, I had a real full-time job. Uh, I was working in Cessna at the time and, you know, building duck calls and doing that. I mean, I didn't have time to go partner and drive around the road and do stuff. But now I'm retired from the government. Um, you know, I've got all those government pensions coming in and Social Security and, you know, I won the million-dollar lottery here three times last week. So I've got, I've got cash flow, so it's not a problem. But anyway, we got the trailer and uh, got had the truck, and it's all good. And I came up with the name, the Duck Truck Tour 2023, and it kind of had a snappy name to it. So I thought, you know, let's just run with that. And uh, so far, it's been nothing short of amazing. I was kind of surprised when I put it out there on some Facebook posts, and uh, the response was pretty good. And then Joyce and Rick Dearden out in Scott City told me to come on out for this thing they had here about a month ago. It was their big craft fair out there in Scott City, which has a population of about 9,000 people. Well, during that Saturday, that, that population goes from 9,000 to about 20,000, okay? And there was a gazillion people out there. I went out there and I did I turned some calls, but more, more than anything else, we gave away a bunch of poly calls that Hunter and I used to do and give away at um, gun shows and stuff like that. You know, the kids calls little inexpensive ones. And um, it's not the quality of the call that's usually the problem. It's the quality of the caller. Okay, for those of you who play music, you know what I'm talking about. You you know, you, you take an instrument, you got to practice it being a good at it. Same thing with duck calls. You know, and the vast majority of people, I hate to say it, but they don't try blowing duck calls till, till their butts are blind for the first time. And then they sound like they're on a kazoo, right? And it's sad, but it was kind of interesting. You know, I was supposed to take somebody along with me to, to have the ride with because I didn't really want to drive all the way out there. Scott's about a five-ride drive. And my my trip partner bailed out on me, so I said, okay, well, I did it myself, and uh, it was kind of an eye-opening thing, you know, it's kind of a cool experience, because I used to live out there in that part of the world. About 40 years ago, I went through a really, really, really ugly breakup in a relationship, and uh, I had a choice of either moving to western Kansas, Scott City area, or moving to Nepal, and uh, I don't need to tell you, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Nepal, too close to China, but anyway, I ended up going out there, met some absolutely beautiful people, the Dearden's, they kind of adopted me because I was an idiot, and uh, I had a great time. I lived out there for about five years. I was in the restaurant business out there, and finally things calmed down in Wichita enough that I could come back safely, and so basically I made my way back here. So it was about 40 years ago, this this last week, this last month, that I was out there, and I spent five years out there. And great people, great people, great, 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 great stuff that we saw out there, and I had a good time. I reconnected with that little part of me, and uh, on the way out, um, I just uh, had the the old Toyota set and going down the highway and it was all fun and dandy and, you know, listening to the radio. And I, I took the XM radio out because it's, it's the same old crap every time you turn around. So I wanted to listen to local stuff, right? So I had the FM radio on and just had it on scan all the time. So I would get a little bit, some pieces of different sorts of music and stuff out there and uh, talk radio, you know, football game. It's Friday night, it's football game night. So got to see and hear a lot of that. Got to go through several small towns on the way out where they had football games going on. And, uh, you know, just small town life. I'm going to tell you something. The people that's listening to the show on the East Coast and the West Coast and whatever, um, you don't know that much about the Midwest, and all you hear is, like, little bits and pieces. And, you know, this is, they call it flyover country. And, honestly, quite frankly, I'm glad you do. I mean, I, the less of you people I see, the better off I am. Um, because they're so misaligned with what they, they say about us and how we live and whatever. And, you know, you want to find out about your country, you, you take a road trip across the middle of this country and talk to the people that live in those little towns, and you'll find out, you know, what kind of people they are. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's sad that people in New York and Los Angeles and Miami and 
San Francisco, they look down their nose at us like we're just, you know, pieces of crap. But, you know, the thing is, I was thinking about this when I was driving out there. This is the same highway that goes out to Scott City that they used to take <clears throat> wagons on and cross the prairie to make a new life for themselves out there, you know. And if you've ever seen the movie uh, Dances of Wolves, that's the part of the world I'm talking about. Uh, going from where I was at in Wichita, past Hayes, on the Scott City, that's exactly what that lieutenant did, Dunbar. You know, that's where he was headed to, was uh, out there in that part of the world where the Cheyenne were at. And um, you can still see places out there where, you know, there's little signs and markers, historical markers, where such and such family was murdered by the Cheyenne for this, whatever. And, you know, I made it a point to stop at every historical marker I came across and read it because for years we'd go out there. I didn't know what was there. I just drove right on by. didn't care. And uh, I found one. It's just a little tiny grave. It's all it's all marked off, and it was about four foot long, about two foot wide, and it had a, a little ornate iron gate around it and an iron fence around it. And it was um, a little boy that was three months and uh, 23 days old. Um, and it was Wyckoff, and he passed away in 1871. And they discovered the grave out there, and then they made her, uh, I don't know what you call it, a shrine or whatever you want to call it. Uh, to him, and they put a, a sign up there. A little little boy, his family uh, was passing through, and that's what happened. He died. It could have been diphtheria or malaria or whatever. You know, there's a lot of a lot of history in Kansas and, and other places around here, Texas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. I mean, it's all over. But you know, um, that's that's why I started. Anyway, the thing out there, the Scott City gig was a lot of fun. Had a ton of fun. I gave away probably 150, 200 calls, and those cost me like four or five bucks a piece and uh i i don't it didn't i wasn't selling anything i wasn't selling a call to anybody i was giving those kids a chance to uh, recall and i guarantee you scott said he hadn't seen that much noise in a long time <laughs> so anyway um i was giving away little duck calls little predator calls and uh it was funny because i didn't realize there was so many germans oh. and Mennonites out there um this one little boy was watching me make a call and he kept asking his mom if he could have a call and she kept telling him no, but she was speaking German to him, and she was telling him, no, you can't have that from the English, right? And the daughter, she had two daughters and a little boy, and finally the one daughter says, well, Mama, he's trying to give it to him. I said, and she goes, he can't, it's from the English, you can't have it. And I looked at her, and I just said, you know, I'm not English, I'm German. So she, she kind of shocked her. You know, she wasn't expecting that. And uh, so I understood what she was saying. And, uh, and she kind of smiled and getting the daughter, one daughter kind of giggled and ended up, I gave them all, all four of them a little predator call. And uh, the mom got the hand turned when it was a salted con. And so I said, that'll, that'll get your husband's attention when he's down in the barn working. And she goes, not hardly. He never comes to the house when he's supposed to. I said, okay, well, that's a domestic thing. But, you know, the thing about that is those, those people, they are hardworking people, you know, and uh, we had some, products there. I had some products there that we were showing off for the first time. I actually took them out there just for grins. And it's um, a lanyard that uh, is made by one of the gals here. That uh, It takes her here from six to eight hours to make this lanyard. And it is amazing. It's the heaviest duty lanyard I've ever seen. And that kind of time in that, the material she has is going to be fairly expensive. Well, they're selling on the website for $135 a piece. Right? I had them out there. I, I just, she said, sell them for 100 bucks. I had seven of them. I sold all seven of them out there to farmers near Scott City. And 
if you know anything about Scott City, you know it's not duck country. So they don't they use those for lanyards like per se, like we do around here. They were buying them for other reasons. I don't know what it was, but the fact of the matter is, that's a hundred dollar lanyard. You look at it, you realize why, and you can do it yourself. Yeah, dude, because she's she is an absolute artist with this stuff. Anyway, so that's enough of that. The duck truck tour is already taking on its own life, so to speak. I've got bookings from here to the end of the year. Um, we got things to go to. We got seminars to go to. We got ducks unlimited stuff. We got delta waterfowl stuff. We got the sporting goods places that want us. I mean, I'm, we're doing this for free, going, you know, doing this. They're not charging a setup fee or a travel fee or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> now, if they want to incorporate it into a program where I have to incorporate some public speaking, I'd be happy to do that, but just be aware of what you're getting yourself into, okay? So, anyway, um, going along good. We're, we're booking up solid on that, and I'm happy with that. And how it works out is I, travel time is usually a Friday, okay? Uh, we're traveling Friday. We arrive, get the destination set up, do our thing on Saturday, Sunday sometimes too. And then we tear down, we head home on Sunday, all right? And then Monday is Sunday is, is tear down and head home. Monday is rest and check the oars. Because while we're out doing the thing with the duck truck, the websites are still up and running, okay? There's caller supply. There's Kelly's calls. There's uh, addicted calls. Then there's also a couple other ones that, I'm not going to get into right now, but there's some other programs coming up that you guys will find out about, and some pretty big stuff. One's called the Wings Over Wichita, which is kind of a big deal. And um, another one, uh, I'm not going to talk about that one, but anyway, you'll find out as time goes on, because I will not keep my mouth shut. Anyway, um, that's what's going on with that. I got more involved with Facebook and stuff and posting stuff on my my sites, and apparently one of the one of the groups I was – attached to and talking to whatever uh, it's called call nuts okay and uh, I don't know what happened I don't care what happened but um, the, the administrators over kind of got a little bit sideways with it they thought I was being too brash and too uh, you name it or whatever it was I don't, I don't get directly into that but the fact of the matter was you know um, I just said something politically correct and if you guys have never heard me before, you're not going to come as a shock, all right? Back in the old days, we're talking at least 10 years ago, 12 years ago, the refuge. Uh, James was a member of that. I was a member of that. Some of the old call guys were members of that. And there was a little clique of guys over there that were complete, total jack wagons. I mean, it didn't matter what you said or how you said it. You said it to, if they didn't like you, they ganged up on you, and it was nothing but trash talk from the minute you opened your mouth till the time you went to bed. And I mean, it was it was crazy. And I mean, a lot of guys got on there and got off. We got you know, the reason I started the show honestly was to give little guys like me a chance to get up there and talk about their products. And did a ton of that, you know, about their new duck calls and stuff. And uh, you know, I had the honor of meeting a lot of these guys in person and doing shows with them in person and setting up next to them in person. Like you know, James here, he set up and shows next to some of the really truly greats in this industry. You know, um, guys like Alvin and Butch and you know, it's just. You know, you meet these guys, and they don't immediately warm up to you because, first of all, you got to understand, you were learning their trade, all right? You were a new guy. Any new guy coming in is going to take money out of their mouths and off their table and other, you know, from their family. So they don't exactly open arms, all right? And if they told you something, you best listen because they're trying to tell you something to help you, right, a lot of times. And if you're a fool and you act like a fool and you ask stupid questions that they've already answered, they just didn't waste any more time with you, all right? So, uh, 
that's where I'm kind of going at with this. And there's a the deal with call nuts and there's websites out there. You know, you got a bunch of new call makers that um, they want instant answers. They want instant satisfaction, instant gratification. Whatever they do, they want it to be uh, the best there is right now. And you know, these things take time. I mean, you're cutting the soundboard. It's not sounding right. So, was is it the court notch isn't deep enough? Is the tone channel not deep enough? Is it ain't far back enough? Is the is the read too tight, too small, too wide, too thick? I'm just on and on and on and on. And you've got to play with it, experiment with it before you finally figure it out. And it's only by doing that do you learn anything. You know, you just don't get on Google and say build a duck call, and then Google like pukes out all this information. You think like you're the next you know greatest thing since sliced bread, and you're far from it. I made the mistake of saying something about a CA glue finish, and oh my God, you would have thought that I slapped the Pope's sister. I mean, it was crazy, the responses I got. It's, it's nuts. You know, if you guys have never had to get, and I know you don't, so don't even act like you've done this, okay? You don't get people's calls that look like crap they bought from somebody else, and they want you to fix it, all right? So they send you a dog turd out a box, and you open it up, and you're looking at that going, what in the world is this? And you realize, read the note. It said, the finish on this is complete trash. I don't know what to do. I'd like to save the call. Can you fix it for me? Thank you. I say, yes, I can fix it for you. I can also walk on water tomorrow, too. But um, I call him up. We talk about it. He, he explains to me, it's, oh, it's a, he's a new call maker, and this is what his, his CA finish. He says, so good, and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, that's because he's stupid and doesn't know any better, right? And so, because if you've never seen a duck call that's been dropped that has a CA finish on it, you don't know what I'm about ready to take. So it it cracks like fine glass. It gets little tiny hairline cracks all over it. So the CA glue is not a flexible finish, okay? Are you guys taking notes? All right, I'm saying this one time. So when it gets dropped and it hits an edge, it cracks, and it looks like crap. And the only way to get that to finish it off is you put it back on the lathe, and you get yourself some 220 sandpaper, and you just burn that crap right off, okay? And then you go back in with a real man sort of finish like, Oh, linseed oil or velvet oil or uh, hell, even mineral oil with beeswax on it's pretty good. And all the old timers, they all had their own secret formulas because they didn't have like the 35 billion types of finishes we have now. They all had their secret formula. And uh, at the heart of most of the secret formulas is boiled linseed oil, you know. And uh, it's worked for me for a half a million years. It was a heap worked for me. But, you know, that's kind of where some of the guys over there at the call – what it was, duck, duck thing, whatever it was. Um, they duck nuts. Anyway, got a little bit twisted and bit out of shape with me. I had one guy, a really, a really chicken shit thing to do, I'm going to say right now, is uh, he was bagging on James about one of his duck calls that he had in his hand. He talked about how trash it was, how about his finish on it was, and that it sounded like crap. And then he wanted James to give me a hug. He said, make sure you give Kelly a hug on the way up. Well, I'll tell you what, Klondike, you know, I hope – you better hope I never meet you in person because I will tear you a new one in front of God and country, right? And if you think I can be a little bit disrespectful on radio, see me in real life, okay? Take care of that real quick. But anyway, James makes a hell of a call. Makes a very good call. And this back in it, he just, he's just egging it on. And then another guy is one of the administrators over there. You know, I've been ragging on him. I've known him for a long time. We used to chat over on the forum, you know, on the refuge. Um but, you know, I think it's like anything else, you know, if I take myself too seriously, I start acting stupid and saying stupid things, and it reflects badly on me from there. But, you know, I could have taken the, the message he sent me the other day 
And I could have taken that screenshot of that and posted it and with all of the things he was saying, and it would have been very embarrassing. But I don't do that because that's not who I am. You know, my my whole thing with doing this duck call thing and this duck truck tour, whatever you want to call it, is it's my way of giving back to the uh, industry and to the, the sport I truly love, all right? And, uh, you know, if I can't do that without picking up a bunch of mouthy little turds along the way that just want to shoot their mouth off about how good they are at this and that or whatever, you, you know, sorry. I got too many things to do to put babysitting a bunch of knuckleheads. So, um, I, I kind of got on that soapbox and I'm going to jump off of it now. I just want to say I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. I retired officially from the post office two months ago, and I have been busier in the last two months than I was in the previous 16 months, all right? And I'm, I love it. My kids are like, Dad, you're supposed to retire. I'm like, I am. You know, my doctor told me, he says, Kelly, you can go do whatever you want to do and love what you're doing, or you can keep delivering mail and die in a mail truck. So I thought about it for six to seven nanoseconds, and I said, you know, I'll just do what I want to do, and that's what I'm doing, and I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. So um, I guess some guy, I don't even know who it was, he did something like this where he just went around to exclusive duck clubs and stuff and shut off his duck calls, and they paid big money for him. And now he's like, he won't even turn on his lathe for less than $600. And I'm like, what kind of a knucklehead is that? I mean, seriously. You know, I'm doing this because I like to do it. I'm doing this because I – the, the look on a little kid's face when you give him a duck call and show him how to blow it so he sounds like you can really get with it is priceless. I mean, you can't – there's no amount of money in the world that makes up for that. The kid, yeah, I just gave him something. He's going to remember that for the rest of his life, all right? Have you done anything like that to make an improvement in this sport yourself? Or are you all too busy worried about getting your latest, greatest, you know, Sitka gear and, oh, look, I got the brand- stupid duck call from the stupid company over in Arkansas. I won't mention his name, but – Guy named uh, Butch Richard Buck used to own it, hell of a guy, and he sold some knucklehead that uh, his big thing is here. Let's go place some stupid duck calls and charge five thousand dollars for them, and we can't sell any of them because you know only idiots buy them. And you know I'm just like Butch would be flipping over in his grave, I swear, if he heard that crap, you know. And when R and T changed hands, you know Butch was on the radio. We, we were doing a show, and he was. I, I just asked him. I said, "It wasn't on the air." I said, "Just." I just asked him. I said, "Is this kid really going to be carrying on the tradition or what?" He goes, "I don't know." He says, "It's kind of sad, but it comes from big money." And you know, at the end of the day, big money talks. And when you're like 900 years old, you got to have some money to take care of yourself because you can't. You're getting your firm. Um, you know, money talks. And kind of funny, right after he took over the company, it wasn't. But a year later, the place burned down. And uh, right now, I think I don't think if you walked into R&T, you wouldn't find a single lathe in there that wasn't a CNC lathe, all right? There's not – Yeah, you would. You would? Where? No, nah, they're in the back. Oh. Ain't out front. Yeah, no. Butch had a, his own little shop up front, and then they wouldn't let him turn calls anymore, so. Wow. Okay, go ahead. No, hey, well, I'm back there. They're turning for other people now is what I've heard, so. <clears throat> Butch, it, it's kind of weird. You know, he and I became really good friends. Um, I wasn't from over there. I mean, he, he was one of those guys that would get on the refuge, like just like Charlie used to do, and uh, Wayne, and some of these other guys. They'd get on there. You wouldn't know they were there. They didn't have a, a, a handle or whatever you recognize. They would have, like, some code. be like, one, two, three, four. Same as my uh, luggage combination, but... Um, They'd just be on there kind of lurking in the shadows, watching what was going on and stuff. And 
you know, my first introduction to Charlie Hess was uh, I got a package for my birthday, and it was a Charlie Hess goose call. And he says, I hope you enjoy it, Kel. Send me one of yours. I look forward to getting it. And I thought, well, that's just slicker and son. Who's this Charlie Hess guy? So I did some research, found out a bunch of rumors about him. And uh, I talked to him and asked him about the rumors, and he goes, well, yeah, it's true. And I said, okay, so those knuckleheads at Night and Hale stole your stuff? And, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's true. And uh, we did a radio show. And he, he really didn't want to talk about it, honestly, because, you know, that was kind of back in the old days of uh, they could threaten you with a lawsuit if you said if you said something bad about it or slandered them, which – it's not so easy to do that now, and it wasn't so easy to do it back then, but they put the fear and pot in him because they basically – he'd seen a couple of knuckleheads that he taught how to cut hair, steal an idea that he and his son came up with, and turn it into a massive, massive, massive cash flow tool. If you know nothing about duck hunting or goose hunting, know this, that without the short read goose call and the innovations that's come as a result of the goose hunting industry – that thing accounted for billions and billions of dollars worth of uh, goose hunting stuff sold every year for the last 30 years, okay? So, and Charlie never got a stinking dime of that, all right? Those idiots at Night Hail, they stole the idea. They claimed it was their own. They put a patent on it because Charlie didn't do that. And that, patents are worthless too, but ask China. Um, you know, they basically stole that from him. And they, my thing was I wanted to talk about it on the radio because I wasn't afraid of them and lawsuits because I kind of know how that stuff works and uh, <clears throat> we talked about it and for the next three days I got just nasty emails and threatening letters and stuff from law firms and I'm like okay well here let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do this I'll tell you what guys we're going to have play we're going to play this game when we have this conversation in front of the judge I want you to come up with where was the spark for the idea okay triggered the whole idea that made you do that with that read makes it work okay tell me exactly what it was cause that at that point in time he knew where i was going with this all right there's the old tucker syndrome you know the guy that made the really nice cars everybody sold his ideas and uh he took them to court sued the slosh not at him because they didn't have the, the the spark that caused that to happen they couldn't tell him what it was and the judge saw through it and uh just told him look you guys are gonna lose and eventually he ended up dying of some freak accident but you know, Charlie, he he was a, what they call a big old gentle guy, you know. And uh, the man, he got to know my kids, you know. He told me some stories about his kids. He had two boys. He was just one he was really happy with. The other one was just so disappointed because it was just constant turmoil and trouble every time he turned around. And, you know, um, Charlie was a good man, and he didn't deserve that sort of crap, you know. And um, James and I could do something before I leave this, I'm going to make a road trip over to his hometown there in Kentucky and take some of his calls out of my collection and I think a, a, a press that came out of his shop. We punched the reeds out for his goose calls and also the duck call reeds. And I'm going to take it over there to the museum in that little town. It's actually in a, in a library there. And uh, their their biggest claim to fame as far as celebrities in that town was the guy John James Ott. John James Audubon, you know, the naturalist, and I said, well, there's one guy even more famous than that in certain town. Well, really, who? And the guy I said, Charlie Hess. He goes, never heard of him. I said, do you hunt? Nope. Do you fish? Nope. Uh, okay, what do you do? Well, he's an academic. I said, oh, so you're a croissant and coffee shop guy, right? A man bun, pretty much, yeah. So, okay. Nothing against man buns. You know, I, I had an affair probably. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have one, but anyway. Um, 
Charlie deserves at least that for doing what he did. And all you guys listen to this now and in the future, when you look at that short reduce call, you just think about all you had before that was what? You had some of those old tube calls, and you had some of those long read resonant cavity calls, and then you can't get there and do all your wild goose calling routines on a, on a long read call, right? It's it's what changed the face of the of the world when it comes to goose hunting. And so, you know, that was one of the truisms about what we talked about. Um, Wayne Betts, another one. You know, Wayne was a fiery old boy. I mean, if you don't know about Doug, Wayne, Wayne was. Uh, mm. I'll let you talk about Wayne because you know more about Wayne than else. Do, are you talking to me? Yeah, I am. Now, Wayne was uh, <clears throat> a really good friend for 30-plus years, and uh, as was Trey Bo, but uh, Trey Crawford, if you didn't know him, you knew him as Trey Crawford, and if you knew him, you knew him as Trey Bo. But now, Wayne was, uh, Wayne was a really good person. I loved the guy. He was a brother. So was Trey Bo. And when when someone gives you a hug and says, love you, brother, uh, you know, you were talking about earlier. Are we into where I can talk now? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Please. Now, me. when uh, we talk about the old guys, there was uh, <clears throat> three things you had to Three hurdles, you, if you were the new guy, there were three hurdles you had to cross. They had to know you. There's more than a handshake. Uh, you had to hang out, and, you know, there wasn't any Internet or anything, and so there wasn't any refuge forms or anything like that. So the uh, all those call things on Facebook and even before uh, the refuge, <clears throat> which was what? Uh, duckhunter.net is that right I think I it's think still so. out there anyway yeah I, uh, I got wouldn't sell it yeah before that was every November just before Thanksgiving you drove to Stuttgart Arkansas and right. you, got, you got to know these guys and like five out of six years they put me next to Mr. Taylor and I could call him Alvin, but out of respect, I call him Mr. Taylor. I never called him anything else to his face, but uh, some people call him Fruit Juice, and I haven't found out that story yet. But anyway, uh, first they had to know you, then they had to respect you. And at one point, Alvin said, "If you got a jig, because I didn't," and. Uh, he gave me a number, and I think Lewis, it was either Lewis something or something Lewis. I talked to Mr. Gaston not long ago, and he goes, no, he's gone. But anyway, I said, Alvin, give me your number. Said, you build me a jig? And he said, no, sir. And I said, well, maybe I got the wrong number. Alvin said, you built jigs. And he said, I do, but not for you because I don't know you. Exactly. But then the last thing, which was probably the most important thing, so they know you, they respect you. You got to get a, to get a phone number. You got to have some respect, but they had to trust you. And oh, yeah. trust is a big word. You can go, 
Man, that Kelly guy, he's a funny son of a bitch. But I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him. You know, yeah. you know people like that. I know people like that, and I use your name, but uh, I still love you as a brother. But anyway, now the you touched on a lot of things. I wanted to interrupt you, but I didn't. Uh, and the last thing I'm here to do is to slander anyone. Uh, we'll cross that bridge later, but uh, <laughs> yeah, to okay, we can. Uh, I'm not here to publicly slander anyone. I didn't do anything except ask questions. There was some concerns over, I guess, I'm paraphrasing your arrogance or whatever. I didn't see it, and I asked a few questions, and then uh, I didn't take it public like you said, and I won't. I've got screenshots of all that stuff. That's a neat thing. Even though I'm old, I know how to take a screenshot. But uh, the thing about you, Jim, James, is that, you know, you have what we call decorum. You know, you know your manners. You know your place. Okay? Well, it's like, I have, you, you know, know your place. I have, uh, I have learned to subdue my passions. Now, if you want yeah. to know what that is, Look up the phrase to be one, ask one. But I guess some people, as Doc Holliday would say, I'm afraid the strain was more than he could bear. He hadn't learned to subdue his passion. And as, yeah. uh, as Churchill said, you, you have enemies, good. It means you stood up for something in your life. So now I'll exactly. always stand up. I'll always stand up for my friends, and my dad was a, uh, a history teacher, and so I uh, I love history. But anyway, now when a person cannot subdue their passions, uh, and I won't make any of that stuff public. I just won't do it. You'll have to. No. I will have to know you, respect you, and trust you to share any of that with you. But anyway. Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> I kind of take it as a badge of honor. I said, I said, I said, there been complaints. There's a lot of chatter, you know, but I, I'm paraphrasing here. That was one of the words used, chatter. Well, you said, I said it wrong. Well, I said it wrong. Little I said, Klondike if there hadn't been, okay, go ahead. Do what? I, I said, little Klondike said there was a lot of chatter, okay? So, you know, it's like, I didn't see the A part, but anyway, now I said is you know they're complaints because there's there's a thing at least in the U.S. you know where you get to hear what the complaints are. It's, it's a process that yeah. you go through to get to a conclusion, and it's called due process. And no complaints yeah. were filed that I knew of, but I just I guess in my redneck way of doing things I, you know he's been a friend of mine for a long time and I was like if you can kick him off just kick my ass off too and the next morning and there you go <laughs> uh, no I'll tell you this the next morning I had my wife had to have surgery in Kansas City and I got up 
and I'm still, I don't have my glasses and, uh, you know, my eyes aren't that good. And, oh, here's a reply. And if you could uh, measure the reply, it would be in about two lengths of your phone. And it, it wasn't the person we're talking about, but uh, I thought, well, I'll read this when I get to Kansas City. And when I went back to read it, I was gone. So that, in a nutshell, that's the Reader's Digest version of the Exodus. Now, I'm not talking about when uh, God led uh, the folks out of Egypt, but I'm talking about from Colnut. So, oh, it was, you, it was a it was a dumpster fire over there. I guarantee you. Well, I mean, I don't know. I can't go over there. It's crazy. My phone blew up. Uh, of course, couldn't go see. And I really don't care. I've, had, I've kind of yeah, had a lot of fun with this. It, it, you know, I kind of threw up a challenge and it was accepted, and I didn't really care if they accepted it or not. But anyway, no, enough of that. Uh, no, you have to. Uh, there's a few things you have to do. You have to learn to know people, respect people, and trust people, and you have to learn to subdue your passions. But uh, if you uh, – I won't go any further with that. But anyway, no, that's not what you were talking about. As far as the, do I, the old guys, I said, you know, one of the things you had to understand was when they when they brought you into their shop, they were bringing you into their world. Okay, they're exposing you to themselves and to their their family. Okay, you're a potential hazard because you can go in there and learn everything they they knew about making duck calls, steal their business from them, and put his family in jeopardy of being in a very bad situation. And people don't understand this. Well, I'll tell you this. I know. I'll tell you uh, this. I, I know people were, that knew Alvin that they said he. One guy told me he said, as long as I knew Alvin. He said, you waited out in front of the shop. You told him what was wrong with your call or, you know, he said if it was a clear call he'd done, you know, it wasn't clear anymore. You could, he said, you'd be back in about five minutes and it looked brand new. Yeah. No one went back there. You couldn't go into the bathroom. Well, I've got Um, this from people that I know, respect, and trust. Those are the three Yep. You know, right. I was asked one time, they said, the guy asked me, he said, do you go to your grave and not tell some of these secrets? I said, yes, sir. And the guy said, well, I, I just want all these kids today to know, and I don't, I'm not mentioning names. The guy, know who, the guy who it is knows who it was, but I just want everybody to know everything I know about these goose calls, but I thought, okay, that's fine. But it was a different I grew up differently in the call business from 1982. This was before the internet and all that other stuff. And you had to have, you had to know, respect, and trust the person. And the only thing Alvin ever told me, I took two, (laughs) I didn't know acrylic came in colors because there wasn't any internet. I just called the places in Tulsa. Did a couple of, and I still own these calls. Did a couple of uh, clear acrylic. He blew them, 
He looked at them and he blew them, blew each one of them. My question to him that day was, I can't seem to polish these out. And I've thought about this over the years. <laughs> he handed them back and oh, said, God. quit using acrylic. Calls were fine because he said, quit using acrylic. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Quit using he just said, what quit he using you. acrylic. Do I? I told you quit using the clear. Yeah, he said, quit using clear. Hand them back to me. Yeah, there you go. So, in other words, you just passed the test. You, I mean, you gave your calls to a master craftsman, which is what a true crowd maker is, or a master craftsman. And you can either get it by learning it the hard way, doing it over and over and over until you finally figure it out, or you can do it like the, the cheap way to have a CNC, and you get to walk around with your chest all puffed out and say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a call maker. No, you, you know how to run well, a CNC machine, you know. Well, I... I, but Kelly, I'll tell you, I don't know how to run a damn CNC machine. Uh, I know what one looks like. Uh, the CNC lathe and the CNC mill, and I can tell the difference. That's about all I can tell you. But yeah. the old stuff. Now, since <clears throat> I don't know when the internet come along, I don't know when CNC is about all happened about the same time. Well, uh, that was back. Remember? Do what? Al Gore invented the internet and also global warming. That was what twenty years ago. Something like that. Oh, I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but I, I, I can't help but think that I know Billy Ray used some. Uh, Billy Ray Starks used some internet or some uh, CNC stuff. Yeah, and he said he wished he hadn't. Because uh, his tone boards are in about six places in Arkansas, and exactly. go get one. Exactly. You know what? Uh, the reason CNC, uh, James, I want to interrupt you here. The reason CNC started happening so much was because it was a cheaper, faster way to make a decent duck call. Okay. Well, because, and it was exactly every time. But now, now let me tell you this: Billy Ray, Butch. Maybe Alvin. I've heard Alvin did some CNC. They took their tongue board. They took theirs, the one they'd spent years developing. They took it in, and now it's everywhere. So I'm going to shut up before I tell you more than I probably should. But at least they had gone through the process, you know. Well, you know, the thing is, like, what you're talking about, mapping it. That's why those guys were so weird about that stuff because, you know, there's just a hair. I mean, a pubic hair's difference between a good sounding duck call and one that's just a freaking kazoo, okay? And until you've laid on the nail. Wait a minute, red or black? Huh? Never mind. I shouldn't have said that. I hope Murphy bites you right in the goods. Anyway, um, no, I mean, these. There's an RCA difference in, in all of them, yeah. It's a game of thousands. Right. right. So that's why you see some of these young call makers that, you know, um, they, they turn a barrel. Or they, they turn a barrel, and they get a hold of Ricky, and Ricky sells them an insert, okay? And, I mean, Ricky Dunn has made more more freaking money off that diagram insert than you can shake a stick at. It's been out there for But you want to know why? You want to know yeah, why? Know. Tell me he why. Had, he, built, he built a niche. 
He filled the he's filled the spot. He's got to no, make some calls. Tell me why he sold so damn many of them in, sir. Because they sound so damn good. I'll tell good. you why. No, I'll tell you why. Because it's the way they sounded. Exactly, as I said. They sound good. I've always said, I've told this, I think, on your radio show. I think, Riley, I've said it on his radio show. When he come up with that and, you know, start getting the, the family mold, which was the barrel and insert, uh, hundred years ago, and it was you just mortgage your house to get one. But uh, oh yeah, he more than paid for that. But uh, it was because of the way it sounded. It was the sound. Would it kill ducks? Yep. Uh, so you know, and I I'll repeat what I told you before, and what I think I said on Riley's show. He could have shellacked a dog turd drilled a 5 8 hole in it, and sold them things on Main Street of Stuttgart, and he'd have been going to the pound getting more dogs and buying more Purina. It was about <laughs> the sound. Now, exactly. we had, back in that day I'm talking about, maybe I've lived too long, but with Mr. Yule and some other people, you know, and, and right. uh, within the last, I don't know, I didn't put a date on it, but in the last 10 or 15 years, Mike Stelzner has knocked it out of the park with some of his stuff. You know, there's, uh, and I'm going to get this last name wrong, Rick Krieger, or those those calls, you pay a lot of money and then you put them on the shelf to buy a call because it's built out, and I'm going to, let me just get this out of the way right now. I'm liable to piss some people off tonight while we're talking. Uh, because it's made out of the latest, greatest, tutti fruity uh, acrylic mixture <clears throat> or a damn bowling ball, or we'll go back to what I said about Rick, a cow turd or whatever. There, there was one posted up. The other day, about uh, Alvin made one, and I call him Alvin. I usually call him Mr. Taylor, but he's gone now. But he made one look like like a uh, oat barrel with his insert, and the insert that he put in that was really a whole lot like my original insert. So I started doing that, and I called it an Olt O L T I M E R old timer probably 20 years ago. I saw some guy had one made out of the unobtainium material and people are like, oh my God, I got to have that call. I got to have that call. And I didn't post much. This was on call notes, I think. And uh, so I've been building those for years. Actually named them. Alvin was gone. Colt was out of business. Or Colt, not Colt, Colt. Uh, I thought, here's an inspiration. I'll do this. I've built them for 10, 20 years. I just don't post a lot of them. I'm a one man, right. one call, one at a time. That's been one of my slogans forever. One man, one call, one at a time. And the first time I went to Stuttgart, they go, you built a cop call? And I said, no, these are built for the blind. 
And if yep. I said that once that weekend, I said it a hundred times, and that was my first label built for the blind. Yep. Well, and you know not what? The guy with the, not the guy with the sunglasses and the stick. You know, I'm not talking about, I didn't build it for Ray Charles, okay? Exactly. <laughs> it was built for the duck blind. Exactly. You know, and that's one thing about Chuck that always amazed me was, you know, they, they come up to call makers and they, well, do you build a competition call? You build, you know, what they don't understand, a competition call is the same thing as any other duck call in the world, except for it's just the tone board is just a smidge different. And it, the person running the call is what makes the difference, okay? But it's got to have a certain decibel level that it actually can achieve and hold for a long period of time. And there's only certain kinds of wood, certain kinds of guys that do that shit. I don't have the time nor the inclination to do that crap. Now, I did – I built a couple comp calls for, like, uh, Real Foot, all right? Um, I built some comp calls for uh, the – what was that? Four the four different ducks, uh, the one with the woodies and stuff. Um, the the real the team, the real team, the team duck, what a real duck. And anyway, I built uh, whistles, wood call whistles for those, and I built whistles for those also. And, um, mm. you know, Hobo, Kent went down there, and he was – using the Duck Commander, uh, Woody call, and I said, no, let me send you one of mine. So I sent it to him. And next thing he knows, he's winning the competition, and everybody's asking him, well, where'd you get that from? And that's, and that's what started that, that crazy thing. But, yeah. you know, it was just trying to figure out a way to do it better than the other guy. And you know what? what's really sad is you've been doing this for, what, 30 years, something like that, 31, 32? 41. Okay. That's what I was, oh, yeah, 41. 41. Yeah, you're right. 80. I can I can count. Um, I've only been doing this for 25, but you know I I realized a long time ago every all these brilliant ideas that I came up with that I thought were so unique and I started getting books with uh, duck calls in them, history of duck calls from all of the United States. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing I came up with that was original. It all been done before. You know, it been done by somebody in yeah. California or somebody in Iowa or what? You know, I thought well that's I mean it's just duck call guys are creative people for the most part they're artists you know and so they have the same quirky little thing about them they try to come up with something different unique and whatever and um that riley kid you're talking about um that what do they call it his ham his head yeah hammerhead whatever hammerhead. Yeah, it's, tongue for it. it's, yeah like it's like, a yeah. it's i hadn't blown one but it, it's a unique hey i'm proud he yeah. came up with it i will never yeah, say well, anything bad about anyone's call no, not I like mean, other people, it, but uh, but like. anyway, no, that was a uh, I I never thought of it. I thought it was a pretty cool idea. Yeah, well, you know, Doc Holiday, he was doing those like that for years. I mean, he was, the last fifteen years or so, that was his claim to fame was his soundboard. Okay, and uh, yeah, I got. I never, I never said anything about it. I thought it was kind of cool. Well, you know, all that stuff of Charlie's that I ended up getting from the family. Um, yeah, I, I know. I said, you got one. You got one with spit grooves in it, didn't you? Or the yeah. channel. Exactly. It's like, it's one of Charlie's, and it's, it was just the the soundboard. It was turned out of uh, African Blackwood. And, I mean, it's got the slats on the side. It's got the hole in the mm-hmm. tip where he put it in the CNC machine and ran it. Actually, it was a CNC. He used a wood turning lathe, a metal turning lathe for that. But, you know, yeah. I've got that. I had another one. I think that, that ended up with you or your nephew. I had I had some more like that. The duck calls. No, I don't have one. I don't have I one. You nephew? <clears throat> no. Could be. I don't know. All right. Anyway, you know. Well, let was, me tell you. Was, you were you were talking about comp calls, and oh, here's what I learned 
about comp calls and it taught me a lot about selling calls. I built that first boomer, the one that got degraded on duck call exchange. Anyway, uh, anyway, I built it for my dad for well, it was going to be a joke, okay? It was an eight gauge. The the holes come from a power plant in the Panhandle of Texas, and there was an engineer at work had a couple of holes, and I took one, and then I still got sixteen gallons of holes. Of I said, I want some more of those. It worked anyway. It worked. And I went down there, and they had me next to Wayne. You know, you just say I want a booth, and they put me next to Wayne, and he thought it's pretty cool, and that was in 2000. <clears throat> and then he had a Trebo, and that man made that call do things that I didn't know it was capable of. Yep. He said, I want it. I said, no, it's for my dad. His birthday's Sunday, 11-27-27. And... Uh, Finally, you give up. I said, I'll build you one. And I guess I forgot that conversation. He reminded me later. But anyway, my dad passed in 07. This was in 2000. That was in 07. And Trebo was always there for my uh, contest. And I gave him the call after my dad passed because they had the same birthday. I didn't know that at the time. Either way, long story short, uh, his son gave it back to me when I was at his dad's memorial service, which was very touching. Uh, Trey's son Yeah. Yeah, his son gave right. it back to me. Dad said, give this back to you, and I said, okay. So anyway, uh, comp calls, though, I tried to build them. I told Wayne one day, I said, because I never would. I ran the Oklahoma contest. I ran contest. I ran the Texas eight-second bar at the Mesquite Rodeo Arena. But uh, in I ran that one. Said I'll never do this again. Uh, Texas did some stuff there in Wichita, where you're at. Uh, what's it? The Century Center or something? Interest uh, and Waterfowl yeah. Association. Uh, yeah. Did it everywhere. I never would. Integrity goes along with those other three words. I, I never would let myself step on my own stage. But uh, when a judge, Marty Simpson, asked me to judge in, was it 2012 or something like that? Anyway, I went down there and judged three world contests and found out you didn't have to qualify for anything. You just had to be 55. So, Wayne, I said, I want to call. He goes, what are you going to do? You know. Wayne, he would gripe at you. <laughs> I love yeah. the guy. I miss him. But yeah, if you had if you had an idea, he'd just he'd just he'd beat you up about it. I said, Well, well you know, I guess I'd go to Bass life. Pro and do I I said one of his great places in life was sticking his teeth into your ass as much as possible. I know. I know and I loved him for it. <laughs> but I said, Well, I guess I'd go Bass Pro Cabela's and buy a damn Rich and Tone or a, an Echo, I'll get you a call, uh, Bill. What are you going to do? And I said, I want to go to the senior. I never stepped on stage 
I said, I'll go. I've been listening to these contests. I cut world champions before they were world champions in uh, all these different kind of places. But I cut the Nickums. I cut the uh, uh, Mr. 08, uh, Ryan Nickum. Nolan. Yeah, Nickum, both Nickum boys. Like, uh, there was yeah. a couple other guys. Mark. Hey, you know where Anyway, but I'd heard these routines, and we then went down there in 15 and took uh, second in the damn world. I don't know how I did it. I'm sitting here looking at my scores. They weren't, they weren't good scores. Uh, moved my boost. Took first. Anyway, uh, no, I knew up front that I couldn't build a comp call and I guess taking second in a field of four said that maybe I could blow one a little bit. But anyway, no, it's a whole different world between calling ducks and calling judges and all I ever got into it for was calling ducks. But I met a hell of a lot of good people. A hell of a lot of good people. I'm the same way. I never, I never had any desire to be a competition call maker or competition caller ever. You know, there's, there's a lot of these kids today they think that's where you got to go. You, you got to be a competition call guy. And I'm telling you what, they're 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 approaching this thing all wrong. You know, the the future of this sport. Yeah. Talk to anybody in Delta Waterfowl or anybody in Ducks Unlimited. The future of the sport is the kids. Okay. And yeah, the, I agree. The, the, any sport. Yeah. Ducks still doing your thing with having the scantily clad women selling tickets and giving you away booze and whatever. You know, it kind of turns off dads with kids and wives and stuff, so they're kind of getting away from that. I'm glad to see it. I mean, I told a guy here. Well, I am too, but uh, I'll tell you this too. Uh, Not so much Delta. It's unlimited. I'm done donating. Unless... It's it's one or two chapters that I'm good friends with the with the chairman, but I've sent them to places, and then you know it's like two weeks later. Did you get the call? Oh yeah, we got it. Never du you nope. and I could be not employed by du, but giving them every call we build. And they would never say thank you, hi, hello, kiss my ass, go on down the road or anything. But that is a net, net dollar. They don't have a dollar in it and everything they sell it for. Uh, Delta hasn't been so bad. I hadn't dealt with any of the local Delta chapters lately. But I'll never donate a call to Ducks Unlimited again because they don't have the courtesy to say thank you. Yeah, well, the guy, I'll tell you what, the guy doing it here in Wichita uh, for Delta is Jordan Ford. Okay, he's a friend of mine. I've, I've known him for a long time. And you know, the man has got just tons of class and good taste and he's incredibly huge, decent human being. Um, yes, he has a lanyard full of my calls, but that's okay. Um, and one of the guys, it's the head, one of the heads of uh, uh, Delta Waterfowl, uh, he's he's a friend of mine too. And I mean, um, Delta, Delta, they try to do it right. 
Uh, Ducks Unlimited here, they had some bad some bad reputations around here, and I, I, I'm done donating to them around here, too, but my friend, he's, uh, he's running it now. Yeah. Let, me, let me finish. Hang on, let me finish. Um, okay. The thing I was looking at was they have gone back to focusing on getting the kids because the 70-year-old men still out there, we all waddling around the marsh, they're about gone, okay? Um, they need to get the kids. Well, and, I know. I'm, I'm the I'm the call maker, but my, uh, I can make I can make a five hundred dollar duck call. I mean, if, if I want to sit out there and do all the checkering and all that good stuff, I can do that all day long. I don't care. But oh, I used day, to checker stuff. Murph, well, come on. I can't checker right, but anyway, you know the, the fact of the matter is, I want to make. I've got a, call a second like, place ribbon for checkering, but anyway. You know what? You interrupted more than my ex-wife. I know, but I know your ex-wife so. Gave me Shut, up. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, I make calls like you got the average guy, you know. Because um, I'll tell you what, and you, I know you, I know you sat at shows now. I know you've seen this. These guys come in and they got all their the sick gear on and they're all this nut and whatever, you know, and they're dressed all this shit up and they're talking about let's go over here and look at the Benellis and let's go look at the, and then they want to talk to you about duck calls and the kids are standing there wearing raggedy looking hoodies and you look at their shoes and mm-hmm. they're they're about busted up, and Mister, you know, all about the sport is spending five thousand dollars on shit for him, and his kids don't have squatting with good shoes or, or jackets or anything. That that just burns my. I'm not going to kid you at all. And well, and, and, some, and, you, and you brought some of that up, and you said well, it earlier. And I I don't guess I addressed it, but here's the deal. Have I got one of those? What's the best uh, choke tube? What's the best? Oh, oh, oh those, what's the best? Oh my God, they want. They let want, me finish. They, now, now you're interrupting me more than your ex-wife ever did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> anyway, everybody, what's the best drill bit? What's the best? You know this, and I've been through all that. There is no best. There is no best choke tube. There is no best shotgun. There is no best. I don't care if it's cost. Jesus Christ, I looked at waders not long ago. You can pay up to $1,200 for waders. You can pay up to $1,500 for a, yeah, okay, shotgun. I've got shotguns that are as old as I am, which is 63, and a few years older that run like sewing machines. You pull the trigger times it goes boom 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 but there's no inertia spring in the uh in the damn bolt you know they ain't no o-rings or anything these are recoil operated you know if you want a real so what's the best if you want reliable did you ask reliable no you didn't that but a reliable is either going to be a single shot you know h&r topper a side to side or an over and under then when you okay after that's a pump. Yeah. Fewer moving, fewer moving parts. Just that. But if you don't get into a semi-automatic, I'll put my Remington 1148 or my Browning A5 that I bought before Browning quit making them. Uh, I've got a Belgium and I've got a couple others. Let's just shoot two seasons and see how your SBE does against mine. And maybe I don't shoot as good as you do, and I'm not using the high-dollar shells. 
here's the big it's secret. Like I'm, gonna, and and I'm gonna let this secret out, and and everyone listening can. There is no best. There's good. There's really good, and then there's really really good. But see, here's the deal. You're the judge. You have to go through the crappy stuff to find out what's you know, better than the last one. You know, exactly. and, then, and then you go, well, I like this one better than the one I said was better than the last one. And you settle into something. I haven't bought a quote unquote new shotgun in 20 years, yep. but I bought a crap ton and I bought receivers and built guns. Built my dad a Remington 1148 12-gauge. Never had one. I built. I bought the receiver at a gun show. Bought all the parts and built it. And it's going to go peasant hunting in about 10 days up around Hayes, yep. Kansas. And I guarantee well, you, know you what? it'll go yeah, boom, I'm, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The TV shows used to just irk my ass. The TV with that... And the show's about the bass fishing. These guys, they had to go out and get the boat. They had to go get the waders. They had to go all this stuff. You know, and it just, they're making it an elite sport, you know. Um, I was telling somebody the other night, I said, my, my camouflage when I was a kid, you know, we had the yard center in Wichita, and it had Army surplus. I mean, and it was mm-hmm. camo, right? It was, it was like cheap shit, right? No, no one stands a bunch of bad. Yeah, even 65 field jackets, 300 out of them, and yeah, Carhartt yeah, and shit, yeah. you know. My dad, you know, he grew up in Minnesota. And up there, you went hunting, and you had on your uh, big old flannel heavy coat, right? And your, your yeah. I mean, that was hunting and stuff. That, and up there, they had real, yeah, you had on a wool, weather. you had a plaid wool coat on, yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. But um, you well, know, guess what? Was, you was warm and dry, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were, you were warm and dry. One, well, his number one rule we went duck hunting with. You do not wear those damn jeans. You know, cotton kills, right? Or you sell them all the time, oh, cotton yeah. will kill. And you see these kids up there wearing hoodies and doing all this stuff, and it's like, take a dunk in the water, get a little cold air going on, a little, let a little hypothermia mm-hmm. set in, get a dose of religion real fast. You know, the, one of the guys we were talking about was called that Steve Carter. I'm going to mention his name because <clears throat> he, yeah, had he, he had a close call. I'm glad he close got call. out of that. But yeah, when, when he, he almost got killed violent, himself. Uh, yeah, I'm, gl- yeah, I'm glad he's still living, but no, I, I don't have anything bad to say about Steve Carter. Well, my dad, I'll tell you right now, we were at Cheney, Kansas, Cheney Reservoir out there, and we had a duck boat, and it didn't have a motor on it. We, we used oars, right? <laughs> we are hunting on Bounce. the island out there. Yep, <laughs> and we got out there on the island. My brother and I pulled the boat up on shore, and Dad was getting the duck decoys out and setting everything up, right? He had, he, no one had waders. Casey and I were over there getting the boat pulled up, and getting more brush for the blind and we didn't pull mm-hmm. the boat up far enough wave action moved it off the beach and we're sitting there in the blind after about two hours and we had, we had quite a few birds already but my dad was sitting there and goes is that our boat and we both offered my brother and, I both, and here about 200 yards out in front of us is this low profile thing floating across teeny reservoir a big goddamn lake okay i mean like let me, let me guess you did not have a cell phone to call for help no no cell phone. Oh, okay. Sat uh, phone. And no, no. We had we had to figure out what we we're going to do. And my dad stood up and started stripping out of his clothes. And said, "Dad, what are you going to do?" He says, "I, we're, you want to spend the night on this island?" I said, "No, sir." And he goes, "Then shut up." And because it was my fault, I was the oldest one of the two boys. It was my fault. I should have secured the thing. Sure. I put the anchor out. I didn't make sure the rope was tied to it. Long story short, 
my dad walked out there as far as he could, and then he started swimming. And he got to the boat. I swear to God, I thought he was going to drown. He got the waves were just huge, right? And he got through mm-hmm. the boat, and this was in December. He got in the boat, paddled back to shore, loaded everything in the boat as quickly as we could. And we, we burned our duck blind because it was the dry wood we had. And so they yeah. up and got him in the boat. And Casey and I started with the oars and him in the front meets back. And we drove up, went all the way across that opening there, that, that inlet, and got back to the truck. And sat there and was shivering, shaking part of what was funny. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I was going to die of hypothermia. Shit, you not. He was, he was uncontrollably shaking. But, you know, we, we got home. And mom freaked out because, you know, we could, we all looked like death warmed over. And, of course, dad's freezing to death. And, you know, he had that, that same, almost same thing he did. And, I mean, as a kid, I was probably 12 or 13 when that happened. And I'll tell you what, it made it made a hell of an impression on me. I mean, it, it I almost saw my dad drive. I was, I was afraid that he was going to go. When the next wave went over, I wasn't going to see him again because that's how bad it was. Waves were yeah. three and four or five. Yeah. It's, so, it really it's like I'm on. So, Years ago, they yeah, used to, uh, you, you bought yeah, a bigger boat than you needed. Yeah, because there was, the wind would pop up, it's north-south lake, and you couldn't yeah. get back, and some guys tried, and then it was always winter time. The yeah. duck hunters, uh, they couldn't find them. They'd wait yeah. spring, and they'd, they'd pop up in their waders and stuff, and... I mean, it sounds, That's, it's not funny at all, but uh, no. funny isn't the word I'm looking for, but uh, they jump half half mile, a mile away, you know, on the shore, and I've hunted that lake <clears throat> since I was, like, 14, and I guess, like the Edmund Fitzgerald, you know, you, 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 you have to respect the lake, and... and and no, yep. but no, Steve was, was, uh, he was fortunate and I'm glad he, he, uh, I've known him for a long time. Uh, I'm glad he was safe. He was cold, but he was safe. I've been there. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I mean, yeah, Uligaw is bad because it is, it's a north-south lake, just like Cheney is, it's a north-south lake. And when that wind right. comes from whistling down out of the prairies like that, there's nothing to block it like trees. There's nothing in it. And, and, a twenty right. mile an hour wind on there a heartbeat, you know, and you gotta respect I've seen tens, but I've seen threes and fours depending on the wind, you know. But Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, when I take my, my big old deck boat out there and there's the waves are so bad that we're holding on to the damn railings on the deck boat, you know. And between the white caps and the swells, you can't even see the boat <laughs> on the other side of the lake. Well so, I would So yeah. Very. I went, I went so to I, New Zealand and got to hunt with Alan Hammond. He's, he's right. a great guy. And uh, we drove a ways, and I don't remember which way we drove. It, you know, it's all foreign to me because we're, well, it's a foreign country. But anyway, you know, you're driving on the left side of the road, and you're doing this and that. Anyway, uh, had a wonderful time. Great people. His son come over from Australia. His son and his grandson and another guy come over from. But anyway. Uh, so the younger guys are going to walk in, and Alan says, "No, come on, jump in the boat. Looks well, like a little twelve-foot boat with a fifteen-horse Evan Root or whatever it was, and it's dark, you know." And I thought, "Well, how far we got to go? These other guys are walking. It can't be that far." And 
we get out on this river, and it was one of the kind of find out the bigger rivers down there. And I'm up in the front of. I had to crawl over decoys and everything else, and we went for a ways. And at some point, it dawned on me. You don't have a life jacket, and you don't know where the bank is. It's foggy as hell. And when the damn sun come up, I ain't going to tell you this was the Mississippi because it wasn't, but it was 60 yards wide or so. I walked back. (laughs) Wow. But, But I did... Because it was daylight, the last trip we made down that river before we went to the south, southern end of the southern island, and we killed black swans and mallards and parries, the paradise ducks, or paradise ducks, but they're more like a goose. Anyway, uh, yeah, great time, great people, all that, but uh, <laughs> it was. They there's no migration down there, you know, because everything is you're shooting is is uh, was born like 20 miles away or something, you know, because they're an island. But anyway, now it uh, you got to take that stuff serious, and I didn't think about that when I jumped in the boat with Ammon, but uh, I did the second day. (laughs) Like ain't doing this twice in a row. You know what? I'll be showing up in the. Yeah, I stand down there on the south end of the South Island, and they go, they pointed south, and they go, mate, your next, your next start's Antarctica. Uh, yeah, I'm going. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I'd have washed up on the shore of Antarctica or something. I don't know. But anyway, we had a fun time. It was ten days of fun. Well, they would have found your mauled up ass. Pecked to death by penguins or leopard seals. No, you ever seen a leopard seal? Or killer whales or whatever, but anyway. Killer whales are no fun, but leopard seals, people think seals, oh, they're cute little things. I'll tell you what, a leopard seal yeah. comes waddling up. Actually, I'm not expecting it out there while you're taking readings and whatever, and all of a sudden you feel something looking at you, and you're going, shit, we don't have polar bears here, so what the hell is this? I'm looking around, looking around. Mm. All of a sudden, this this thing moves, and it's a leopard seal that was stalking me. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, they they get it. Well, who was? He he was a right? He competed one day, right? Yeah, Alan Hammond. No, I don't know if he's ever been to the states. I can tell you this: he builds a damn fine. Do I? I said one of those guys came here and they were competing over there at Stuttgart in the same year that Sonia won. I don't know. Antonio Jones, yeah, I remember him. Uh, Now, Alan builds a damn fine, uh, he he builds a damn fine double reed duck. He's coming out with a single reed duck. I helped him with a little bit. And I said, you need to move this to about right in here. And he did it. And he goes, mate, you fixed my call. And I go, no, I didn't fix your call. I just just gave you a whereabouts. You know, know, I you were telling a story about Alvin, about Alvin, you know, tweeting and stuff and looking at it, whatever. When we were at Real Foot that one year, uh, Kent 
this is where I met him. I, I met him in real foot. Um, he was walking up to my table, and he's standing there talking to Sherry Flirt, and she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Anyway, he's like, go away. And he's like, can I blow one of these? And Hunter goes, yeah, go ahead. And he blew on it for a few seconds. He goes, mind if I take it apart? I said, no, go ahead. And uh, he took a pocket knife out, I swear to God, opened up my duck gong, right? He actually took it apart right. He didn't just pull it apart. Anyway, he uh-huh. twisted it and pulled. Took his little pocket knife out, and he started digging on the end of my tone channel, right? Uh-huh. And I had too much water. He, he dug it down just a smidge, right, so it had better airflow in there. And uh-huh. he put it in his mouth, and he started blowing up thing. I about shit myself because I'm like, this guy just did something in my duck call, and it sounds like 100% better than anything I've ever done. I said, what did you do? He goes, well, you need to get a little bit more of a trough on there because it loves, loves more air. And I'm like, oh, God damn, that's right. brilliant. Well, my, name, but, my name's Ken but what would what would what would you have thought if I handed you because you were new and this and that and you know Trebo three time world champion champion champions loved the boomer I'm not sure it wasn't blown on migration nation but anyway I know he blew a uh, one of Wayne's uh, Blackwood calls. But anyway, uh, if you gave a call to a kid, like 17 years old or so, and they brought it back to you and said, here, sir, I fixed your call, what would you think of that? I really wouldn't know. I didn't. I really didn't know what to think about this guy sitting there. Well, it ain't your duck. call anymore. It ain't your call anymore. Well, then I don't really have much say-so in it, you know. Yeah, well, you don't blow it. Here, sir, I picked your call. You don't blow it. No, it ain't my call anymore. Three-time world champion, I, champion, champions Love the shit out of it. But if you don't like yeah. it and you had to go whittling on it, you know. So, no, we got a different perspective on that. But I know Kent, Kent would have known what to do. But at 17, I don't think you know what to do. No. No, not at all. And, you know, that's kind of like getting back to your thing about, you know, the they want fixed now event thing, right? They they grow up with a, a flat screen in their face. They grow up with a, a tabletop computer. They grow up with a, uh, you know, an iPhone, whatever, and they, they Google the shit out of everything. They don't have to they don't have to lay on the nail to figure it out. And they, they can't because they don't have the temp- Okay, take it away, and, and all you get is two days in Stuttgart every November. Yeah. And if and, I learned, I learned if you'll shut your damn mouth and listen, you'll pick up more. Oh yeah. You go. Oh, oh yeah. I heard him say a little bit of this, or I heard him. So you go home and you spend six months trying to find that little blurb of information, and maybe you find it, maybe you don't. I don't know. Right. But right. Uh, maybe it's a year later, and you go, I can't policies out and they say quit using clear so anyway. yeah well so you know it's like i've gone back and i've listened to some of my episodes especially the two that mm-hmm. did butch because there was yeah. more he was an awesome kidding. guy oh my god there's there was just stuff in there like, now don't be giving people that. clues they're going to wear that tape out so sorry you know it's just like, <laughs> it's just like those those little nuggets they 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 
they wouldn't tell you everything, but they would tell you enough to keep you interested, right? And one thing, too, you know, those, those guys are all small towns. You talk about Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, down in South Arkansas. Oh, Indiana, yeah, all those, all well, those little. You know, these, these kids come to your shop and they want to do an internship, right? They want to be an apprentice, right? So you've got to study them. You've got to get to know the kid. you got to listen to what they're saying about him in, in town, you know. If he's ever done anything shitty or sneaky mm-hmm. or whatever, you, you, you get to disqualify yourself, you know what I'm saying? So these guys' reputation was important. Wow. Yeah, you know, so. I, I can tell you this. I know a guy that a kid said, and I'm not going to tell you his name, said, what would it cost for me to come see you and you to show me everything you know about calls? And I'm still not saying the name. He said about $20,000. Kid said, okay, but guess what? Yeah. He never showed up. Yep, they would do. Anyone? Yep, anyone. But you know that that would that would be cheap. That would be cheap to sit down. You know how much how much one of your calls? I tell him. I said, well, if, you know, field grades this much, the collector grades this much, and you know, I have my prices out there on the internet. Well, why are they so expensive? I said, well, because these are hand turned. Okay, they're not piece mm-hmm. out of machine molded. They're they're not CNC. These are hand turned by me. All right. Each one is turned. Each one is cut. Each one is tuned. Each one is done by me. That shit takes time. I can I can build a duck call. You know, a, a working model in about an hour. Well, I don't really have to. But thing well, is, well, tell me this. Go ahead. I, I took it took me hundreds of hours to get to the point where I can do it like I do, and know what I'm doing. Oh, thousands. Oh, thousands. I know. But would you send a subpar call out? To someone just for the money? Fuck no. Yeah, yeah. I've got that. more firewood. I got here, here, here at Foggy Bottom World Headquarters. I got a fire in the wood stove, and me and this brown dog are hanging out. And there's been more calls run through that wood stove than yep. there probably be someone going. Well, it sounds okay to me. Well, it doesn't to me. And so, yep. what you get. From me, and I thank you, and some other old-timers that I know, if they won't use it, they'll either burn it or throw it in the trash, and someone will go, yeah. oh, shit, that sounds good to me. Let me have it. No. You know, I had a guy no. at a gun show one time. You talking about giving calls to kids. had a guy at a gun, or not a gun show, an outdoor show. He kept beating. He come by, and he had a call. He liked, oh, shit, he liked it. And this kid... These folks had whatever they was doing across the aisle. And you've been through this stuff. And this kid, kept, I said, well, blow some stuff, you know. And his mom's going, oh, you know. I said, no, he's fine. You know, just let him. And he kept coming over and coming over. And this guy kept coming over. And, and I think I wanted like 80 bucks for the call. Well, I'll give you 40, you know. And he kept beating me up on the price. <laughs> he, he was standing there and... Well, would you take forty five? And I had I hung like eighty eighty dollars on it because I knew what I had in it. And that right. kid walked back here and I said, Here son, blow this call again. He's you know, he's pooching his cheeks out and everything else. I said, You take that call and tell your mom I said it's okay. And that guy goes, Well shit He said, I was gonna you know, I, I said, You don't beat me up on I said I'd rather give it to a kid than for you to beat me up on my price. Amen. And I made a point, and his mom comes back over later, and she goes, 
I think he took this from your table. I said, no, ma'am, I gave it to him to make a point. And I told her the story, and she goes, well, we really appreciate it. And no, I've been around too long. If you're going to try to beat me up, uh, yeah, I can probably beat you up in a different way, but that man learned a deal, or maybe he didn't. Who knows? That day, you don't beat a man up on a – I mean, Jesus Christ, you're going to walk into a saddle shop that some guy does all these saddles by hand and offer him half price? No, you're not. You know, I ain't going with a bunch of cowboys around here, but the reason I used that – but <clears> – <throat> Say that. No, you here's, here's, I was just here's saying, what? Go ahead. Say that. And that's kind of the attitude a lot of the guys with Ducks Unlimited chapters have is like, you know, we're all back to bag of chips. And, you know, we can't have you set up in our thing because we're trying to raise money for the chapter and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, okay. Well, I used well, to go to the Wichita it, chapter. I went five or six years in a row, me and the red beans and rice guys set up in the back of the hall. I saw Charlton Heston there, and I could sell all the calls I wanted. And, you know, I'd sell like 30 calls, and I was well-heeled, and I could buy another piece of equipment or whatever, and they were damn happy. I had to go up there and blow the call, but that was fine. But they were appreciative. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's, it's kind of funny because, you know, these young guys, anyone I'm asking a question, I, I'd answer them in a heart, you know. I try to help them out any way I can. If I'm, if they're being sincere, but you know, the, the the ones that they just want the answers because they don't want to have to figure it out. They don't have to do the frame. Well, here's what I do. If they want the recipe to the cake, right up front, I'll give them a taste of a crumb and let them let them figure it out. Yeah. I'm not going to tell them what's the best because we've already talked about there is no best. But Well, it's like that one kid puts <clears throat> that shit up, what's the best choke tube? It's like, well, first of all, what shotgun is it going into, number one? Number two, what shot are you putting through it, number two? Number three, what pattern are you trying to get on there? 30 yards, 40 yards, what? What size shot is it? It's all different. There's so many variables. I mean, for Christ's sake, it's so many variables. It's not even funny. There's no such thing as the best. Well, you know, and I, I told you that I told you that story, and I answered. You know, what's the best over? Is always what's the best, but or what I'd rather hear what's the good, and then we'll go from there. But uh, yeah, I said over decoys, thirty yards improved cylinder because I've killed Christ. I, I'm not like Trey Crawford killed more ducks and lead shot, but I know what I'm talking about. And then my dad always told me, he said, there's a little bead on the end of that barrel. He said, son, there's a little bead on the end of that barrel. And I go, yeah. He said, stick it about a half inch up their ass and pull the trigger. He said, you'll get them every time. So I went back and edited <laughs> my answer, which you can't go see now because I think it was on call notes. But anyway, <laughs> I went back and threw that in. And nobody got the joke. But... No, that's because, you know what, the problem with that place was, it was, I noticed that everybody took themselves way, way, way too seriously, you know. Well, and, and some couldn't, didn't learn how to subdue their passions, and we've already talked no. about that. But anyway, 
you know, talking about like no, that. I don't. I don't have any ill will towards anyone over there, Steve Carter, any of them guys. I don't. I don't have any ill will towards any of them. But it's been kind of fun, you know. I well, laid I out a challenge, and and I'm they took it, from- or one guy did. But well. There's one guy over there, and we both know who I'm talking about. I call him the Klondike Kid, okay? And Rusty's just got this thing. I'll tell you right now. You know, the guy is the moderator of the forum that uh, call nuts. And, you know, he had the audacity, the balls, to tell this guy's daughter should be on the place. Well, you know, like I told you, I guess it was too much to bear the admin over there was too much to bear, you know. Yeah. He just couldn't bear the burden. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. Either way, I don't care. I didn't post that much over there anyway. So <laughs> told my wife, I go, I guess I guess it got kicked off this call nut thing. She goes, oh, honey, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm not. <laughs> and I kind of laughed. Okay, I will hit you. Take him next door. Yeah, I'll be over in a little bit. Anyway. No, it was like, I'm just taking up for a friend that's done this as long as I have, and I'd do it for anyone that I know, respect, and trust. So I said, if you're going to kick him off, kick me off too next morning. <laughs> it was yeah. just too much to bear. The burden was just too much to bear. That's, that's, that's and kind of funny, that was the same day that I put all the Hess calls on there, you know, and my yeah. phone was blown up. I mean, timing was perfect. Um, I'm, I, the, it was it was crazy, and I'm like, what did I do? What you know? I put the problem yeah. was it wasn't what um, it wasn't what I posted on Call Nuts is what I posted on my own stuff that it showed up on their feeds. Okay, got put over in their feeds. Oh, okay, I and, didn't know that could do that, but anyway. So, yeah. So, so the. Well, you're awful arrogant, and da 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 da. So why did you say that? You don't even know me, all right? You might see a yeah. person, you don't even know me. I mean, if you if you spent more than a minute with me, you're gonna know there's a lot of things about me that I'm not, and I'm not arrogant. You know, I'll I'll give mm-hmm. you the damn shirt off. You know, I'm not that guy. But if you're well, on the street, I know what you'll do because I own Charlie Hess's. I'm gonna give it back to you. I own his read punch. It's sitting out. It's sitting right back there in my call shop. So I know how much you trust people, and trust, like I said, yeah. is a big word. It's sitting right back there, and I may drive to that little town in Kentucky with you, and we'll present well, it to those cool. folks. But. Yeah. but you know what? I, I, I appreciate the fact that you trust me because I trust you, and that, that's kind of like one of those very, very hard things to earn, you know? So It is, anyway. and once it's broken, uh yeah, it takes a whole lot of attaboys to get rid of un- one all shit, and there was a huge all shit, and so I don't, you know, keep the enemies close or keep whatever that word or whatever however that goes, but and your enemies closer, but you can be a whole lot of people I keep at arm's length, and oh, yeah. yeah, I'll go to my grave with some secrets. Um, but, uh, I'm willing to share if you approach me in the right way and 
but I'm not going to give you the recipe. Like two right, cups I hear of flour, you. you know, you know, half a cup of milk, you know, two eggs, this and that. Now I'll give you a crumb, but I'm not going to go full recipe on you. Alvin never well, did. Uh, I Blackburn yeah. never did. You know all those, and and that was one thing that was said. You guys just want to bring up all them old guys that you knew and everything. Well, Jesus Christ! I saw a kid put up a deal. He goes, "I'm I'm so." This was recent, uh, last year or so. He was so glad he was gr- growing up in the golden age of call making. I thought, kid, you don't even have a clue. What? And I started to put something out there and answer to that, and I thought. If you don't know, you don't know, and I'm not going to clue you right. in. But the old guys, they were the – those guys knew where the dead gum, you know, the the secrets of the whatever were, you know. They knew yeah. where the Holy Grail was. Exactly. You know, they knew – they they knew that crap, but like you said, uh, so anyway, I would rather know someone, respect them and trust them, or they do the same for me, than I would to take <clears throat> X number of thousands of dollars to cost the CNC shop in uh, Arkansas and tell them I want Billy Ray's tone board because there's no talent in that i've said this nope. before there's no ta- there's no talent if 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 billy ray took everything he knew to that cnc shop there was talent in that but if yep. all you're doing is buying a cnc and here's what we get into the i don't know who's doing it i don't I'll piss off a lot of people, but if you don't know what does what, you just bought a CNC program until they don't want to sell it to you anymore, then that is, that's the thing. Complete disclosure here, okay? If you want Kelly's calls, it's going to be wood. Some sort, okay? It's going to be fertilized yeah. wood or rock wood, whatever. If you want an addicted call, it's either going to be acrylic or it's going to be molded, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's and if you want a caller supply call, uh, it's going to be one of somebody else's manufacturer or those little poly calls we get from Pennsylvania and another place in the United States. And those are poly calls, right? But my stuff, mm-hmm. Kelly's calls, all hand-turned, right? We use the molded calls because, look, I can – I can get those things done fast. I don't have enough time to be in my shop 24-7, right? I've only right. got a few years left. You know, the the, the difference well, is... Well, let's hope more than that. But... I, I'm hiding behind the bullshit that those aren't CNC because they are. I'm not hiding behind the bullshit that those aren't molded because they are, and I'll tell you that. But there's so many guys out there right now that are passing off molded calls or, or CNC stuff as being hand-turned calls, right? And they put them on places like Etsy. Men don't hunt. hunt don't go to Etsy. The women do. I don't even know. I've heard of it. Yeah, so it, it's a thing where they buy. Anyway, so they buy those and they're cute and whatever. So, yeah, they buy them. And this guy goes, I'm a custom call maker. Really? Here's two blocks of wood. Here's a, a jet lathe. Here's some tools to turn it. Show me something. And they look at you like you just dropped them on the dark side of the moon. 
They had no more idea yeah. how to make a duck hunt, giving them those equipment than, than the man in the moon. Well, and, you know, I don't, I don't dislike or hate those people. I really don't. If that's what they want to do to make a buck, that's fine. But, but they give I know what I know. I know, I know. But they do this and that, and I know what they do. And you do too. Uh, but exactly. I know what I do, and I'm I'm still the little guy from 1982 doing one man, one call, one at a time, put a shitty finish on, and it looks like someone hacked it together. I don't remember all the terminology, and it sounds like crap. Well, three-time world champion, champion, champions liked it. It kills ducks in New Zealand. It kills them all over the United States. And if that is a north-of-the-border attitude, then I don't need north-of-the-border. But no. I'm not naming names. But it, I know... It sounds this, a lot like I know, Karen. I know... Look, let me tell you. I... <laughs> You that call has sounds like it has some light in it. It has some cruise light in it, and maybe a little Jameson's, and maybe a little pecan moonshine. But anyway, uh, oh, you that call has killed ducks in North America, it's killed them in New Zealand, and I don't know it's ever been north of the border, but probably, uh, it do what? I didn't hear. I didn't hear an A come out of it. Oh, quack quack, quack A. No, no. A. No, I said what? The guy, the guy that just was, was that good enough? Was A? You know, okay. Anyway, no, I, I know that call. A three-time world champion, 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 just loves it. I got the call back. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, all yeah. I ever started to do was build duck calls. All Charlie Hess wanted to do was build a goose call. All yep. Butch, Alvin, Clint Blackburn, Billy Ray, all them guys wanted to build a duck call. Uh, and it didn't involve... All it was about was killing birds. And if you don't kill yep. birds, I can build you a call to kill birds. You can... I know, yes. I know some guys that are taking a bath in mondos with pumpkins and skeletons and all the latest, greatest, and that that's marketing right there. It really is. Yeah. It's, uh, but you know, they give like three hundred bucks for the call, and they're like, "Someone give me a buck and a quarter," and they go, "No, uh, kid in Tulsa." I said, son, you're going to take a bath on those. I'll give 300 a piece. I said, okay. Yeah. At least you didn't buy that gold-plated one. But uh, if you're into that, that's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. Uh, I know. You know yeah, I, I know. I, 
No, I know a kid yeah. was a cop. And he he's buying the thin blue line, or no, his dad was a cop. He's buying the thin. It, it means something to him, so that's fine. If it means something to you, that's fine. But right, will it kill ducks? Can you blow it to kill a duck? No. You know and what? I'm going so, to tell you something. I, I've never told anybody right before, and this I'm saying it on this station right now. Okay. You couldn't you know, come down the closet. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Um, uh, you know, after Antonio won the worlds down there, you know, he and I were mm-hmm. friends. And uh, I knew Antonio. I was talking to him about some stuff, and you know, he was trying to get in to get some of his calls made and whatever. And, and Ricky was helping yeah, him a little bit. Calls. Right. And. You know, Butch and I talked about that because I, you know, Butch was kind of proud of him because he goes, you know, that kid was a hell of a hunter. He was, he was a hell of a guy, and he was always in the yeah. shop, always in. The, and he goes, I, I took a chance on him by sitting his ass down and telling him, you've got what it takes to win this whole thing if you just apply yourself and do what you know you need to do. All right, so yeah. that's when Andrew Learner was going to Butch's shop. He would, he would go to those classes every week that Butch had, right? And he was, yeah. he was the number one. Years and finally he got to where he could get it done and do whatever. And he was keeping his nose out of trouble, keeping his nose clean, and staying out of trouble, right? Yeah. And after you won the world, it's after you won the world. All that, all that sudden fame and fortune and all that shit kind of just jumped up and. There ain't no fortune in it, but no, there wasn't no fortune in it, but. But it, well, it could have been. It could because you. We all know how that works. I mean, it, it never has been. been. Well, even not, the not goose. So they don't. They, they ain't like, like winning the. No, but you you know if you if you go in there and you play your cards right, you do the right thing, you pretty much got a ticket punch for the rest of your life if you do your shit right and keep your nose clean. Most of these kids today, it's embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing. They think you got to show up for a contest, three sheets in the wind. I mean, you know, it's I've seen some they, guys do that. I'm not naming I names. Mean, I've seen some do that, both have and they won. Both. But you know what? Butch, you know, and then Antonio, the second year, he came back to the you know, He didn't show up, and I was talking to Butch. So I know, I know going the whole story. All right, then, you know. <laughs> I know the whole story, brother. They called Rome like five times. But, anyway. Butch told me, he goes, he goes, that was my greatest accomplishment and my biggest disappointment. Mm-hmm. And we weren't on, talking just man to man. That was one of yeah. the greatest accomplishments. And one of his biggest disappointments, because everybody warned about his propensity. So, well, Butch kind of took him under his wing and developed him, and uh, he was proud yeah. of him. I would have been too if he'd have been mine. And then he sold all them Brody Ben calls that he never delivered on, and uh, then they called roll like half a dozen times, and. People on their cell phone calling, he's coming, he's coming. He's supposed to have an interview with Miss Ballard. I'm not here to talk bad about Antonio. I knew Antonio, so I'm not here to talk bad about him, but he didn't show up. Yeah. So uh, that's no secret. Everybody knows that. I know a bunch of that story. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's what Riley goes. He goes, you're just telling me you're not going to tell me much. I said, no, there's certain things I will not tell you or I, unless I know you, <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about. Yeah, you know, we can talk right. about night hail. You know, you and I, everybody knows that story. But there's some other stories 
people still alive and uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if they want it brought up or not because they didn't tell me I could retell it. But if I know you right. and trust you, I can tell you those things. I think that kind of frustrated Riley. But... I'll, I'll tell you something. I'm not the kind of guy to hold a grudge and to burn you and, and something like this. But I am the kind of guy that if you go out and you take one of my friends and you run his ass through the mud in public and say some of the things you, that that guy said, you know, I'm going to own your ass, right? And that's just the way it is. Well, so, and, and I don't go public on a forum. That's why I went. I know. Messenger. And then it got translated and retold. And I didn't get to read. I wish I took screenshots that morning while I was sitting on the toilet trying to go, what What the say? You know, I'll read it when I get to Kansas City, but then it was gone. But uh, there was things said there that were attributed to you that I said in a private conversation. I know that. Of course, someone commented that That's a, a pattern, and then, of course, it went to, I won't say the name, another page over there, I think they call them pages, uh, and about the crappy finish and like a kazoo or this and that, hack yeah. put it together, and I had a bunch of customers going, what is this, is this a joke, or, you know, and I presented it to the admins over there. They said, he's gone. You know, I said, well, that wasn't my, yeah. that wasn't my point, but, you know, it's up to you guys. But then another guy tell me, that's ripe for a uh, slander. I was like, well, he's in Canada. I might take it, get a lawyer to give me a deal and, they could do him a call up a loser or something, but then he's going to run back to Canada, you know. So, and that's really not what I want to do. I could care less. If, you know what? There's just got to be. If not being able to, if not being able to to subdue your passions is a crime, then we're all probably guilty. But the older you get, the more you learn to do it, or if you learn early. But some people don't ever learn at all. So I guess right. this one has a habit of doing things. And like I said, it, it was kind of, it was a challenge. I hadn't done anything, but you're gonna kick Kelly, kick me, and I was gone too. I didn't do a damn thing. Nothing against that. community standards or anything over there. I just stood up for you and. Was like, okay, it. here's your challenge. You're gonna kick him, kick me, and and they got us. <laughs> they got us both, and I was like, woohoo! You know, didn't plan on that, but uh, well, not, I wear I'll, I'll this badge of honor now. When I got up that morning, and my phone had been dinging, 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 and I was like, what the flock is going on? I mean, I've already had oh, one whole the Hess nightmare, you know, the avalanche. And, um, oh, yeah. I had the same thing so, with some uh, velvet oil, but anyway. Well, I, I pull, I took out my phone, and I'm opening it up, and I'm like, 
this is what the hell, James, what did you do, right? Um, and I called you. Yeah, what did you do? Yeah, I was in you Kansas City at the time. Yeah, and I'm like, I thought I said, what did you do? And, and you told me, I'm like, and so to kick you off, he goes, I think they kicked you off too. I said, I haven't done anything. And he goes, doesn't matter. You're guilty before before you went to trial. I mean, and yeah. so. Yeah, that was oh, a deal. There was no due process. Well, all, I, I saved all these emails. I mean, if if anybody wants to think I'm kidding, um, I'll I'll cl- I'll it will put every goddamn oh, name I, on Facebook and go read them. People, these guys. Have, and, I'm and not going to do that. I'm not um, going public with this stuff. You know, it's water under the bridge. I could really care less. But if that's how they run that. Uh, then that's just how they run it. I, I'm, I'm not yeah. anybody over there. Never posted too much. Occasionally I did, but you know right. it's. Uh, and then there. Let me let me share this bike. with you. There are eavesdroppers and interlopers over there that I know. That one to two years of. My stuff and yours is gone. They did a search. Right. A couple people did a search. And they go, that's like middle of 2020 or something. That's the last thing I can find from you. <laughs> okay. Well, all I, I needed to know. You know, but yeah. if, if you're that adamant about it, then, I mean, if it's not that big a deal, leave it up. Let people see stuff. Right. If it's if you're trying to hide something, then hell yeah, delete your year and a half of stuff. Well, you know, as long as we were on the I don't refuge, know, that that's that says a lot right now. But the refuge, well, I, yeah, I hadn't been over there in forever. I'm gonna go back and see yeah. if I can find that again. I got tired of all the politics, right? And uh, the thing about it was I was spending more time arguing with people over there about stupid shit they were doing and then I was building calls and I, the only time I'm there in the first place was to build. You know, they yeah. uh, you start spending more time doing that stuff and you, who are you talking to? A busload. You, you, only, so, you, only, you only spend that much time if you let yourself. So Exactly. So I said to myself, I'm just going to I, I, I can still get in contact with the person we're talking about and I haven't and I won't. But I know. that person went on another page and started trying to slander and you know just for fun uh on my wife's side there's like six lawyers seven yeah you know my my side of the family there's that many or more and a district judge and a you know yeah and i may just on a whim go to call palooza next year and just lay a little envelope with a cease and damn desist order on it. But I don't really think I want to go that far, but I could. You know, I don't know any international lawyers, or maybe some of mine are. But, uh, well, you, you got to pick you your fights. <laughs> you don't know who knows what, but anyway. But, I mean, that's. I'm, that's a pretty clear cut case of slander, and you know, oh, I don't know. It just it might be fun to do it, just see the look on someone's face. But oh yeah, anyway. but you know what? The thing, 
he's in Canada, okay, which is great because those little connects up there take that shit seriously. You can actually get somebody thrown in jail for that shit, okay? Okay. Public. Really? And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trudeau. Trudeau's like a little Nazi. I mean, he's like, oh, God. He's horrible. You do. You know? I'm not well, you know sure what? what I think about him, but I don't know how much better he is or if he is than what we got. So anyway, go well, ahead. I got a friend of mine, <laughs> my friend in Manitoba, and he does international tax law. That's what he does. And uh, yeah, I'll you know what? He's French, so I have to overlook that because you know how Germans are. Anyway, um, I'll be talking to him next week. <laughs> well, you invaded their damn country, so anyway. <laughs> You know, it was there. So what do you do? I'm going you back. Know? I'm going way back. So go ahead. You know, no, I'm gonna I give you shit. Whatever you say, I'm gonna probably come up with a little quip like that. So go ahead. Well, he's French, not German. So I've been on a gun buying spree here. I bought a bunch of French Mausers. I heard that. You know, from World War Two, and uh, I got French a hell of a deal. Didn't build Mausers. The Germans did. I know that, but they were French. These were French Mausers. They were they were licensed from Belgium by France. Anyway. They're pretty okay. good guns. Here, anyway, uh, never fired and only dropped once. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Uh, we crossed that border, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. I love history, uh, so just keep going, keep going. I'll tell you what, we got we got a few minutes left here, but uh, no, this has been a real eye-opening situation. I'm glad you came on because it's been a – we talk like this all the time, and so – you know, you guys might well, you and I do, you know, and, know, and there's other people going, oh, my God, I can't believe they said that. Did you just hear <laughs> what they said? Oh, I can't. I got to go to my safe place, you know. So, yeah, I could give two shits what, uh, you know, the people I, that I know, respect, and trust, and they do me, those are my people. Yeah, you know the ones that are. There needs to be someone out there come up with another R and T or not R and T, but an Echo Poly, and start slacking some dog turds. That would be the thing. That would be, because no one is shellacking dog turds right now and building calls out of them. They probably get two fifty out of them. Well, you know, anyway, JC Junior over there can run around with his uh, little prodigy and, you know, they do a gold-plated duck hauls and they're like, they're going to sell all these. And I think last time I checked, they still had everyone still in stock. So, you know. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I don't check up on that because it doesn't bother me. Now, uh, I will tell you this. One of the reasons you got gone because you were sounding like, and this, I hadn't told you this, you sounded like a duck called Jesus Christ. And I offered oh. that there was not a duck called Jesus Christ or a goose call or a crane call or a coot call or a quail call or anything else, but that Who if he didn't know this? Jesus Christ, that maybe he ought to get to know him with all this crap going on in Israel right now. So instead of name, I just... I'm just offering up advice. So, yeah, you are a duck called Jesus, according to some people. 
Oh my God. Now, see, now it's just about wound down. Now you got me. Now, so yeah, I, I, I did. I hadn't shared that with you. I just now thought of that. So, God damn it. Okay, well, you know, something I don't tell you the... everything because I know it'll. Your blood pressure medicine's only good for so much every day. So, right. that's okay. That's okay. It's good well, for me. You know, get right up to the edge. Watch the heart rate just drop off, and it, it's good. But you're gonna have to now, share that with me. Find out who said that. So anyway. Well, like I said, there's only there's no duck called Jesus or goose called Jesus. There's only one Jesus, and if you don't know him, you need to get to know him. And now I'm starting to sound like Robertson, but anyway. Uh, oh, feels good, people, man. I don't care what they say. He's good people. Oh, I'm hey, did you know? Going. I gotta tell you. Did something. I know what? Watching a bunch of old episodes of Duck Commander, right? And this is yeah. probably about an 18-year-old episode. And it was for Cy's birthday. They were going to have some of their uh, special calls. But the Cy really liked that uh, for his birthday, they were going to have some remolded. Right? They, they got the place right there in, in the, that little bitty old town of theirs. So they don't have to send it out anywhere. But um, mm-hmm. Bill was talking. That was, he said that was a very popular duck call. He goes, that was one we called the cut down. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, holy, what? The cut down. I know. Um, that's what they called it. And I'm like, wow, all these guys playing with these olds and turning duck calls around backwards and thinking mm-hmm. that's how they go to get They had a call to action. Wayne built one. Wayne built one. You'd have to know Wayne. He goes, I don't know about all this cut down crap, but he said, I'm going to call this a cut up. <laughs> and I know where that jig is. But no, when you brought up Robertson, I'm looking at yeah. a VHS Duck Commander's plain truth about duck calling. I've got the VHS tape, and there's Robertson sitting in the back of a boat, and it's like they pulled the boat up on a bank and filmed the whole thing, and it's like 30 minutes yep. long. Yep. I've got a VHS around here somewhere. I'd like to have it on digital, but there's a... Whole bunch of stuff around here like that. Take that tape and you can take it to a place and have it done. A little for pretty reasonable transfer. Well, no longer I, than it is. It wouldn't be twenty bucks, but DVDs and stuff from, you know. Oh come on! You got about ten seconds left, James. Um, you go ahead and have have the rest of your evening and uh, tell the wife hi for me. Yeah. Tell her thanks. Yeah, she just thanks come help. in a little bit ago. Okay. So anyway, I'm going to get out of here. i got to sign off. So we'll talk to you later, okay, man? All right, I'm going to sign off from Foggy Bottom World Headquarters, and this wood stove is just going to burn itself out to keep this room warm. So when I get out of here in the morning, it'll be warm. All right, be All right, good, brother. Good. I'll talk to you All soon. Right, good. All right, man, love you. Be good. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap it up. I'm going to just sign off here in a second or two. Um, we covered a lot of subjects. I did two hours flew by really, really fast. Um, I, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot I want to say that I'm not saying because out of respect for the people in the industry, they've kind of become victims of themselves, right? Um, they start taking themselves way too seriously. If you, if you look at my Facebook page, I mean, my, my bio says pretty much everything in there is like, you know, don't take yourself too seriously, you know, um, love your family, love God, you know, even the idiots, 
all right, because there's there's plenty of room for that. But, you know, um, people that, that put themselves in situations like that to pass judgment on other people and they do it, and they do it with complete uh, anonymity, so to speak, uh, they get away with it, and there's a lot of that going on out there in the industry. And it's like, you know, people are just chasing dollars. And I've been on this planet for a long time, and there's more to life than chasing dollars, all right? I've got – I've been blessed beyond belief as far as what I have, as far as my life, as far as what I have, my family, my kids, and everything. So I'm not, I'm not preaching about, you know, changing your ways or whatever. I'm just telling you, you know, there's a lot more to life than chasing dollars. And that's why the whole duck truck thing, the tour – it just it was an inspiration for me to go out and give back to the industry that's been really good to me. You know, I don't want to go to a bunch of high dollar duck hunting clubs. I have no reason to do that. I want to go out, like I said, to these little places and little towns and do stuff out there with the kids, the high schools, the junior highs, churches, whatever. You know, talk a little history, talk a little bit of fun, show them how to do it. I give them some inexpensive calls, we tune them, show them how to do that. There's full grown adults out there don't know how to do that, and uh, tell them a little bit about the history of duck hunting. And, and the history that lies behind it. And uh, you know what? I, I think we donated like 250 calls to some organizations here in the state just for recently. That they take underprivileged kids out to hunt that can't go out otherwise, and they all got duck calls or goose calls or whatever the case was. And uh, the the number of pictures I get back from these different chapters of this is going on, all these kids going out and having a good time used by duck calls or the, the little inexpensive poly calls. You don't need a $250 call to, to hunt ducks, you know. You're talking about a critter that has the brain size of a peanut, right? And so if if I ever create the ultimate duck call, all right, this is going to be my mission, the ultimate duck call, um, it's going to sound like five pounds of corn getting poured into the creek, okay? That's what it's going to sound like. And i got a pretty good idea what's going to show up to eat, all right? Anyway, guys, I'm signing off. This is Kelly Belt, the Duck Truck Tour 2023. Uh, it's been a hoot so far, and I hope it continues to be more of a hoot in the future. If you got any questions about that and need to sign me up to come to, to your facility or your business or whatever and, and do that for you, um, just give me a holler. It's at 316-259-4142, and talk to myself or my daughter or my secretary. They'll, they'll tell you what dates we've got available. So um, and if it's someplace local in Kansas, that's not going to be a problem, but uh, – when I said we were going to go all over the United States, I was thinking it wasn't going to be quite this crazy, but guess what? It is. So I love what I'm doing. I'm having a good time doing it, and I'd rather die doing this than delivering mail. So anyway, guys, thanks again. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.